Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroff, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in a new virtual room. Collaborate live, building ideas on the same page. And see more of your team on screen at once. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Hey, science fans, I have another fantastic podcast to recommend to you guys, the Waterline Podcast, everything you need to know about the science of water. Have we managed to develop the most sustainable irrigation techniques? Can water be the bringer of peace? Can flushing your toilet light up your house? The answer to all of these questions and many more in the Waterline Podcast which is an initiative of the Israel New Tech as part of the Israeli Ministry of Economy and Industry. It's a new podcast that is is created to communicate the many facets of water. So please, check out an episode. I've, uh, I've checked out several. I actually went back and listened to the very first episode, which gives you a nice overview of uh, sources of fresh water all around the world, rivers, lakes, underground sources, and to see how, how delicate they are, how prone they are to contamination. This is exceptionally important stuff for our world and our future, and I highly recommend this podcast. Search Waterline Podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. I've had a very exciting week. I've been on uh, a bunch of big podcasts as a guest. I did my first Joe Rogan experience. I was back on Pete Holmes' You Made It Weird, Duncan Trussell Family Hour, Burt Kreischer's Burt Cast, Never Not Funny, whole slew of other podcasts. I've been posting about them on Facebook and Twitter all week, doing a big promotional run leading up to uh, the Good Trip 65 City Tour, which starts next week. I'll run through all the dates at the end of the episode, but you can always go to shanemossmauss.com to find out more. I added a little preview section where I tied in. Um, I, I posted a bunch of the podcasts that I've been doing promoting it and um, and a bunch of other podcasts that I uh, talked about psychedelics on, one that I did psychedelics on, um, and uh, a bunch of other stuff like that. I'm also I'm also putting together, editing together, just a short little uh, short little teaser for the show. Uh, just a couple clips of a couple short jokes from it. Um, and since I've been doing many of these podcasts, I imagine I'm getting many new listeners this week. Uh, welcome. Um, I imagine you will enjoy it if you've heard me as a guest on other programs. I'm quite proud of this podcast. I do like to tell new listeners it's not really as applicable to this episode because you'll be able to, uh, you won't be missing anything listening to this episode. But some episodes I have a lot of 
kind of prerequisite knowledge that we've gained from past episodes that I assume listeners already have in their heads. So it does help to go back to episode number one and, uh, and, and you get to see, maybe listen to this one first and see how far the podcast has come. I was, I was a, a nervous young man just two years ago when I started this, intimidated by scientists, and now I'm just a slightly nervous um, <laughs> uh, slightly yes, less young man. Um, and, but, but there's just a whole lot of information and, and, um, I apologize in the first, some of the first few episodes, there were some, we didn't have the sound as good as it is now and, and that sort of thing. But, um, I do recommend that. Um, I also, when people do ask for like one episode to listen to, um, I, I usually tell people to go to the live episode. We've done one live one so far. We have another one coming out in a couple of weeks for episode 100. But episode 82 was the first live episode, and a lot of listeners wrote that it was their favorite. So hoping to do more of those in the future. But I just wanted to welcome all the new listeners for uh, uh, to the show, and thank you very much. We're checking it out. I hope you enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed making it. And I'll talk to you on the backside. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I'm talking with Associate Professor of Marketing at the Marshall School of Business at USC. Kristen Deal joins me. Hi. Nailed it. <laughs> I, uh, I, well done. Yeah. I, I always... <laughs> you got it my, all. My audience knows because I talk about this, too, because I, I always have to prep my guests for how many times <laughs> I'm going to screw up the intro. I'm feeling real good. This, this is, is going to go a, well. This is a good sign. Or all of the rest of it will go horribly. It'll, it'll be completely the opposite of what it usually is. We'll we'll see what happens. So, um, it, so one thing I was the first thing. Um, there's a few things I want to cover, of course, but the first thing I I was curious about was um, was some of your work and how we perceive time and distance. Um, from events. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Yeah, so we, we uh, my co-author uh, and I, like, so two of them are actually grad school friends, uh, Giles Aberman, who's now at Yale, and Jonathan Lavaf, who is at Stanford. Uh, we had this kind of uh, experience that sometimes, like, it doesn't matter how far ago well how long ago it was but some things feel like they happened yesterday and some feel things feel like they happened forever ago and it could it could be like that they actually happened objectively at the same time yeah um and so um we were kind of curious about how is that you know i mean and sometimes you even know like when it happened right like um uh, so you have a date associated with it but the objective time and subjective time are different. Right. And so we were kind of curious about that. Um, what can explain that? 
Can I say this going into it? I think that I have a tremendous sense of time in my head. I, uh, I forward I have, or backward I, looking? I, um, oh, ba- backward <laughs> measuring. Like people are like, "Can you believe it was only this, or it was that long ago, or whatever?" And I'm always like, "Yeah, I can. I, <laughs> I know exactly how long." <laughs> it's. I have many failings. My memory is not anywhere what I wish it was. I'm terrible with names. I wish my vocabulary was suitable to be talking with professors <laughs> and whatnot but but my sense of time even i've even done um i've even done drugs that that have like time dilation and and have a specific effect on that that and i'll i'll still feel i'll be like nope that was exactly an hour i have a very good so you have like very good like like internal clock yeah it's my my superpower Uh, well Uh, like (laughs) i mean i wouldn't kind of like i would take flying over it but it's a pretty good superpower (laughs) um so so but i'm i'm probably now as you explain it i'm probably going to find out how wrong i am uh no i mean i mean and then Maybe you don't uh, have that to the same extent, or maybe you do, because uh, what we found is it doesn't really matter that you know when it happens. It, like, so I can tell you two events, and I can even tell you they happen at the same time, but one may still feel longer ago than the other one. So, so it still happens, um, even though we can you know control for or draw attention to to the objective time and so we were kind of curious about that um and uh the anecdote that you know gal likes to talk uh, tell about this is that his children or his uh, uh, first like he has twins and and then he had another kid but his twins were born the same year as rabin was uh, assassinated mm. and he was talking to his wife about this and and he, um, they were talking about uh Ravine's uh, murder and um, you know like his his wife was like wow that feels like yesterday and then he was pointing out do you realize that that's exactly like when the twins were born and she was like wow that feels like forever ago <laughs> and and so uh, so we were kind of curious about this kind of situation and we we explored different aspects now in, in the example I gave there are two things that it, it, there's an obvious difference that one is a personal event and one is a more public event you know that um and and that has a little bit to do with it but it's it's not the only thing that explains it basically what we found is that you when you think back to you know like so you're in in right now and you're thinking back to that event you're you're kind of thinking also about what happened since then um, and you kind of naturally come up with, oh, there are certain events that happened since then, and you you naturally kind of think about events that are related. Yeah, so, well, because I I would think in that specific example, I would think that, um, yeah, a, a news story or especially an assassination where like uh, maybe not a lot of things that are as personal to you or whatever has happened since, but but whereas if you compare it to having having your kids where you're dealing with them every day and, <laughs> right. and, and like putting all of this energy into it and it's like when are they gonna move out already and then they might only be seven years old but yeah. still <laughs> yeah no so so one thing is definitely um no the, we we separately looked at public versus private events because there are obviously so many things that are varying uh between uh like between news events and and private events um we can show that this happens for both 
both types of events. And it really, what really matters is how many subsequent events come to mind. So with the children, a lot of subsequent uh, right. events uh, come to mind. Um, but we can also, in, in studies, kind of manipulate how many events do you think about. So we did this with students here at USC, and we asked them to think about the day when they got their acceptance letter at USC. Um, and that's clearly, clearly a very special moment. They don't know the date exactly, but they know the year, right? Because if they're like a sophomore and it was like, you know, three years ago. Um, and, and so what we, then we asked them, you know, think about the uh, moment when you got your letter to USC and now think about three events or six events. So, like, one group, like, fought one, about three events, yeah, and, the other and one of, uh, okay. uh, group uh, fought about six events and the, um, that were related to that. And that will be, like, moving in, making friends with these people, like, signing up for classes or whatever it is. And the people who fought about more events felt like this day was longer ago so it seemed longer ago so um, this mm. can happen naturally you know as a function of the event that you're thinking about um, so some events are just they're more likely to trigger um, other events and others you know and, and it can also you know obviously in a study it can come from us like who we're trying to kind of figure out what is the exact mechanism that you know leads to that and so we did this both with these kind of private events but uh at the time and i should, like didn't realize you were gonna ask me about this one this paper actually i would have looked up the um the events uh, that i don't really recall totally That's okay. um but um there were things like you know um kind of ooh, Tom Cruise jumping off a sofa. That seems like forever ago, which it, it was. <laughs> this, yeah. this paper was a little older. Um, well, your perception of it is, of course, skewed by how many times you've right. seen other celebrities jumping exactly. off sofas. Since so, then, and since there hasn't been many, it seems like not that long ago, maybe. So, <laughs> so and it depends on, you know, how, you know, the, so we had different events that we had pre-tested to have more being reported on more or less um after the fact so you know yeah like when tom tom cruise jumped off the couch there was a lot immediately after but then there's nothing recurring versus we also uh looked at um the iraq war and that's obviously something that is ongoing and so constantly Mm. um reminds people and seems like i mean that's something also then will affect the political reign like how long have we been involved with iraq you know, Afghanistan, it seems a long time ago because there are so many related events to that. Um, Hmm. So, so we had a range of different, also public events that we we looked at that were current at the time and <laughs> of the publication now, not or like they were a couple of years ago and not quite as old as they seem now. But so the yeah, so the f- interesting thing is that you know even when we told people you know this was you know at that point they still had a different kind of subjective feeling um, for different events. Um, even though they were matched on, they all happened around the same time. Was that the only factor that you were testing? Or, or is, was there... I, I was curious if um, if, if possibly negative events um, have... or as opposed to positive, or if, if it's like a personal event rather than something that's 
more like so, the news story or something? Yeah, so we were mainly interested in this idea of what we call event markers, which is basically, you know, these events that happen after that in the time span since the original event happened. Um, so that was our main focus. We did... Um, try to control for or kind of make sure that you know things are even matched on or we kind of statistically control for like how emotional was the event so emotional events tend to be kind of better ingrained in memory and seem more vivid in memory and everything that is more vivid we also associate with being more recent so So we control for that because other people have already had already shown that oh okay Um, I would have I would have thought that 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 those things would would you would almost have a more accurate sense of time just because the, the how salient they were. And, um, so so we didn't look so much for accuracy um, because we were really interested in this subjective feeling right, of time. Right. Uh, and for certain events, you definitely you know um, like. 9-11, you know, like certain really important events, you will know when they are and you will be very accurate. Um, but even for those uh, kind of events, uh, other people have shown that there is still kind of misremembering um, going on, um, you know, and particularly these vivid events, um, they we tend to date them closer to the current time than they actually happened i call that telescoping so it's like it moves things kind of closer uh, in time because things are so vivid still to you um that they seem much more you know recent than other things that happened at the same time that weren't that emotional and hence weren't weren't committed to memory in the same kind of vividness Hmm. um you you do some work with um with uh, um, photos and how they affect um, uh, taking photos and how they affect the consumer enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I, I was I was wondering if there was a tie-in at all here between. Uh, there is a tie-in, but uh, so, like we don't really have the data for that yet. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so right now, um, so we start. It's some of the same people are like um, Gal Zalberman uh, again, and I, and then uh, another co-author, who, Alex Barash, who is at NYU and who was Gal's uh, student at um, at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, we started being interested in you know what happens when people take photos. And there are a couple of different, I mean, there are actually a lot of different questions one can ask uh, because uh, people like or academic research hasn't really looked at photo taking at all. Um, so, and partially that's because photo taking, while it has been going on since the late, late 19th century, it happened pretty sporadically and because of the cost involved, mostly in moments that were already really important, like, like weddings or things like that. And, mm. and oftentimes there you outsource it, right? Like you have a photographer, things like that. Mm. Um, and so from a psychological or cons- uh, consumer behavior perspective, there wasn't that much to look at, right? As opposed to uh, things they did every day. But with, you know, particularly with cell phones, obviously these days, like people take so many photos. Uh, We actually don't know how many photos people take. Uh, We know how many photos um, they upload, which is hundreds of millions every day. Yeah. Um, And presumably, you know, there's like 
we don't they're know what the doing a lot of editing and they're they're putting up right. the they're putting up the very best picture of the cheeseburger they had. We're for assuming, lunch. you know, yeah. we don't know. Um, I mean, and as somebody knows, I'm sure Apple knows. You know, they know exactly uh, how much I've, is on our iPhone. Yeah, I mean, I've I've uh, I've had girlfriends taking pictures before there's there's some editing yeah (laughs) you know there's definitely some editing we just don't know how um how much right Right. like um so so we know to some extent what people how much people share and we're for sure they'll take more pictures we just don't know how how many more and and so there's like the sheer mass of pictures that people take that is different um but it's also the events are different like so before you know you were taking pictures for the weddings and you know uh graduation maybe holidays um but these days right you're taking photos i don't know whether you have taken a photo today I don't <laughs> ever take pictures. No, really? no I never take pictures ah, ever. And it's like so it, I'm glad you didn't participate in our study. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that uh I cuz I do I do some exciting things. I just feel like if I take a picture of it my like my brain's just like well, now I don't need to remember that. And it's well, if you like tell your brain that, then that's what's going to happen, uh, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's one thing. One of the things we're looking at is like, what is the effect on, on memory? Mm. Um, and that can happen, but it doesn't have to happen. So I personally am uh, I'm like a totally uh, avid photographer and have been for a long time, actually for the opposite reason, because my memory sucks. And, uh, and so I liked to always keep pictures of things. And sometimes I only took mental pictures. Um, and that already helped, but, um, I but I like to have the real ones. I wonder if there's like, see, I'm looking at my pictures right now. Here I have, this is just some packaging I needed to, right. for my, so that for, we my call for my, for my store. Basically external memory. Yeah. And <laughs> here's my license plate for, <laughs> that is, is important. This is everything for, here's, this is for a thing that I'm putting on my online store. This is all like basic utility. This is not solving any, hopefully there's not any, um, uh, Oh, here here was one funny picture um, that I saw. Okay, I took one funny picture that was about two <laughs> weeks ago. And Let me tell you, that is not normal. Someone was asking me about. Um, I just started vaping recently because I'm trying to smoke, stop smoking cigarettes. I took a picture of that to send to a friend. Okay. Um, I was on a photo hunt a few weeks ago with my girlfriend, and I had to take pictures to do this photo hunt, more store stuff. I would say it's looking like, as I'm going through here, not even once a week do I take a picture. Okay, so so you're not quite representative uh, of um, the average uh, (laughs) cell phone user. (laughs) Also, Um, lots of people. uh, This might be part of the factor is that after shows, people want to take pictures with me. uh I'm not complaining. Like I, I like taking pictures, but I like the fact that people would want to take a picture with me. It's it's terrific, and I love meeting people, and and um, and it's great when people post it, and you know that helps me out. That's the advertising. For right. me, people yeah. are consumers are enjoying the show and <laughs> posting it online. It's terrific, but I I wonder if because I have so many of those photos right, that in regular life I'm just like, eh, no, no more. And there's definitely like variance in terms of people wanting to like right. 
like take photos and enjoy photos. So, um, and enjoy photo taking. I mean, in particular, like, you know, in couples, oftentimes also over time, somebody becomes the de designated photo taker, you know, for family. And in the past, it used to be all women that has ch shifted yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, I was going to yeah. ask because it does seem like there's a bit, like, none of my male friends seem to take a lot of pictures. I have some male friends that are snapping photos all right. the time and stuff, but it definitely. Like my girlfriend, all her friends just constantly taking pictures of my sister pictures all the time so, yeah so so we didn't find any i mean in our studies we didn't find any um differences what, based on gender but what um, ages traditionally um at? so we're we're basically so anybody has to be over eighteen so okay. um you know uh so we're not looking at really young people, which would be interesting because they're growing up with this medium yeah, right yeah. um but we're like the the oldest people we had were probably like like they were around in their sixties oh. so so it's not Broad and range. we and we actually in one study particular and uh, Alex in her dissertation looks at that you know and where we specifically recruited people in a younger demographic eighteen to twenty four and then um recruited people in an older demographic i think fifty five and older um and um and like most of the findings that we um that we have hold um the the older demographic is a little less self-conscious so um you know they're a little bit more secure in their own ways and mm -hmm. to the extent that uh Alex and her dissertation shows uh, some effects on whether I intend to share photos versus I tend to, uh, to you know take the photos by my for myself and you said you said the older generation is less self-conscious oh, oh okay 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 yeah so so um so what she finds is that if I intend to um take photos to share that makes me more self-conscious mm. um, about the experience, even if I'm not in the photo. Um, and that effect is smaller for, for older adults. Um, but in general, <laughs> um, like... It's, it's, you know, we can find photo lovers and photo haters like across all age ranges. Um, so, um, you know, so it's not the case that people like older adults don't take photos. Um, you know, they may, they may have taken a little, uh, slower to the new, um, to all the, like, electronics, right? Like they initially didn't have iPhones, but, now they have iPhones and they're just using it as much as you know younger maybe not quite as much but as um as freely as younger right. people this is this is like a bit of a tangent here it's it's just this memory popping in my my head of one of my exes we visited some friends of hers in England and their her friend's mom was so bad at 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 taking pictures like just something <laughs> i don't know if it was like a phobia or something but she had like this panicked like scared shocked <laughs> oh, look when in her somebody face. took like, photos of her even if it's like okay we're gonna count down from 10 like right. get ready and you need to smile and, and it was just always like this i guess i guess they had to like sneak a photo right. and then like photoshop it in for for like her daughter's wedding photos. Oh gosh! <laughs> but but that's abnormal. Uh, yeah, most people do pretty well in terms of you know you chase say cheese and they put on their photo photography face. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So we've been kind of looking into that. Um, you know, motivated by this 
observation, obviously, that lots of people take lots of photos and they take photos of a wide range of events so um, that they wouldn't have taken photos on before. So taking pictures of your cheeseburger, right, of your coffee, maybe of a sundown. Normal, like in the past, you wouldn't have had your camera with you. Um, you may, maybe it would have been, uh, you know, too expensive for you. You know, you had like 24, 36 rolls. Um, and so, so people like take more photos, but they also take more photos in a larger range of events. And that's what we were kind of interested in. Do you think that that's because of not, I, I, I understand like now we have certainly, it, it certainly helps to have a camera on your phone right. now and, and a, a super high quality and all of that. But, but don't you think a lot of this has to do with social media? Like a lot of this is kind of. Well, but uh, social media wouldn't be here, you know, it's like, it's chicken and egg, right? Like really? social media. Yeah. So, so, um, because, Originally, there weren't that like Facebook didn't start out as like share your pictures, right? So there was a picture of you, but um, it was a lot more text based. So, like, obviously, that like the you know, the fact that you have more outlets will increase demand for your photos. But uh, it, it, without having such easy access to, to, to cameras, that also wouldn't be there. So it's kind of, you know, it's a, a I would say it's a kind of environment that feeds it, it, itself. Uh, Maybe it's just my experience and one of my exes is, uh, and I'm not talking smack, is a bit of a narcissist and is more than happy to admit it. Um, and a uh, lovely lady, we're still good friends. Um, but but uh, she, I, I mean, I think she takes pictures for herself as well. But I, I just think, the point is, I, I think that a lot of photo taking is kind of, self-advertising driven oh yeah i know i mean so so they're different motives and they you know kind of they feed each other right like um so i have the ability to take more photos and you now like instagram or more people will see them if i share them you know and that will kind of give me incentives to take more photos like i mean so it is an air like an uh, kind of a cosmos that kind of spirals upwards for right now. I mean, we don't really know where that's going, right? Plus, before social media, you're sitting there and you're like... You're you're sharing photos of your vacation or whatever with like ar- around the table with your family. You're, right. you're, or in the you're, like slideshows if you ever had to sit through one. By, yeah, and, by your uncle or and something. Then you, like that. And then you have to see the boredom on everyone's right. face, whereas <laughs> you put it on the internet and you can just you're imagine because like, you got twenty likes or whatever that people are just loving love. this picture or your new socks or whatever right. it is. Or like the five hundred <laughs> pictures from your vacation. Right, like, from what? From your vacation, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. like people just dumping like exactly everything um, onto the internet. Now, that's true, but the, you know what I find interesting is like we've done this before. I don't know about you, but my I have an uncle who subjected us <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to that, like uh, for you know, and and I feel uh, like that's only appropriate at like a wedding. Is about the only time you can do the photo slideshow. Yeah, but like slideshows, people have done for a long time. Uh, I mean, you makes know. Me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think the ones at the weddings are the most uncomfortable. Well, I know, it's but like, it's like, like, okay, I get it. You know, it's <laughs> like I, I, can, I can take it because it's like, like what, what's this? because you're liquored up. Maybe that's why yeah, you can take it. Yeah, and it's like their special day. You want to show us how you met everything? Fine. <laughs> um, 
but so so like what kind of what kind of slideshow is your uncle doing and i'm curious about this uh so my uncle is actually a really interesting guy but he just <laughs> never edited them before we looked at them um so he uh he sold everything and went on a boat to travel around the world so uh oh. so we saw lots of pictures like so that it wasn't the the fact that what he was photographing was interesting. It was just too many of them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so he had an interesting story to tell, but sometimes less is more. Mm. So, um, yeah. So, no, it's, I mean, what is interesting is that we're kind of right now, I think, in a time where we're still figuring out, right? Like, what is appropriate? How many photos are appropriate? You know, um, and we get egged on, you know, by likings and things like that. But people have already, taking it back a little bit right like all the the folks who initially posted the drunken pictures they don't do that anymore because the internet has too much of a memory uh and that gave rise to snapchat right like you, oh, know, yeah, yeah. you don't want permanence necessarily yeah. yeah i'm not totally familiar with snapchat but, but it's just you just take a picture and then it just disappears in theory right like you can you know, people can sc- still screenshot it. Shot it, but in theory, it's like just there for for a short period of time. Um, which you know, particularly, you know, if we are out partying, that's probably a good idea. That yeah. Nobody has <laughs> access to that later on. Um, I was I was curious. You know what I would like to see a study of is you take you take someone and you like show them. Show them like a folder of photos from, say, one of their friends mm-hmm. or one of their family members' vacations or something like that, and you know, there's like sixty photos or something, and and let let the let person tell. say if it was like too many or like which ones they would have taken out, uh-huh. and or if they wanted more. I I doubt. I doubt very much that anyone would ever like, oh, if there would have just been five more photos <laughs> of this vacation, that would have been perfect. Yeah, I, well, we'll put it on the list. We haven't, so what we've looked at so far is like how photo taking affects your experience at that moment, mm-hmm. right? Uh, as well as what you remember. Uh, what we're actually working on right now is kind of to what extent, you know, the, the fact that you do you know, the people who do this, uh, to what extent you kind of edit the photos and create an album, mm. you know, does that then change how you remember it? And then we could oh. look at like how that affects, you know, other people who are looking, looking at it. Um, but we haven't, we haven't really done that yet. What we found like throughout this process is that like, it's actually quite complex. Um, so initially we thought, oh, the low-hanging fruit, right? Like the first thing you check off is to see what does photo taking do to your enjoyment of the experience? Mm-hmm. And just like anybody else, like we thought, oh, you know, people are not as much in the moment and, you know, it's got to be, it's got to like, uh, be negative for the experience. But we ran a study and we ran another study and we ran another study and and every time we find that it uh, actually increases people's enjoyment. And so um, we, we later on found some boundary conditions, but like we realized that originally we were like, you know, completely off the, um, on the wrong track, so to speak. So actually what we find is that photo taking on average increases people's enjoyment of the experience. It's kind of like giving yourself a trophy in a way. Like if you're on vacation and you're like, Hey, I'm, here's a photo of the, of me in front of the Eiffel Tower. It's like, 
uh, you know, giving yourself a little merit badge for making it to the Eiffel Tower. Uh, and uh, and that, that could be happening later. So, you know, like, oh, you know, it's a, your listeners won't see that, but we're sitting in my office and there are a bunch of photos on, on the wall, you know. Um, there's, like, me in a photo booth and uh, there's some pictures I took uh, on, a, on a trip with penguins. Um, you, you don't know. have many photos for someone who studies. <laughs> this is my office. This yeah, is yeah. When, when, sh- when students come. This is what I'm okay with them seeing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your home's a little crazier. <laughs> Um, actually, not so much. And this is like probably some, something else that we're uh, looking at right now, but that's probably pretty similar to whatever people experience is that uh, we take all these photos and we don't often look back at them. Um, so in the past, right, like we, like diligent people would create albums and once in a while you would pull them out and you would look at them and um and now we have them all in our computers they're like somewhere on the c drive yeah, or a dropbox and stuff got me. and uh, yeah. and you don't really look at them again yeah, right and yeah, so yeah. so one of our studies right now is how you know revisiting and relooking at these photos um will affect um your enjoyment and there's some initial evidence by other people actually by Mark Norton um, and colleagues in, at Harvard who showed that people underestimate how much um, they'll enjoy revisiting kind of benign events so they did this in, with different modalities so like writing things down you know like a time capsule and they look at you look at it differently and um, and so for for important events you think you'll enjoy it a lot like revisiting that and you do right? yeah. like, so uh, but for benign events you're like ah, how much was, uh, is this going to be enjoyable to think back at you know this phone conversation I had with a friend and turns out it's actually quite enjoyable like people uh, like, like doing that um, and so um, they have one situation where they also look at photos um, so there's some evidence that looking back at photos does give you enjoyment but what we think is happening or is not happening is that people don't look at photos that often right uh, and so that's why I have some photos on the wall um, and I have a actually a kind of old school calendar photo calendar on the wall that uh, that I actually I should move to September at least Um to to do remind you and I have a friend who who puts um, her screensaver is like photos from vacation so mm-hmm. it automatically it exposes you and based on what we find you know seen so far that's probably a good idea um, because really? you kind of you know get another boost of um, of that initial enjoyment but again like we haven't haven't delved uh, dwelled in in that very deeply all we have looked at is what uh, photo taking does to your experience right after and like a week later basically so so if it's not like this kind of trophy effect which, which you're you're saying would only be in the future right um then what is it? Yeah, then what is it? Because I, I do think there would be some immediate gratification, especially if you get like, oh, that's a really good photo. You know, you're taking one and it's like, oh, I got it just right. Now, and this is like what we found uh, with photo taking, actually, that it's, it's very complex. And I'm not saying what you're like uh, describing no, I'm isn't wrong. happening. You can say it. <laughs> no, stupid. we don't have any data on that. <laughs> we don't have any data on whether I'm stupid or not. <laughs> um, also, not on that, but we must have no data on whether people, uh, right. you know, um, uh, that the quality of the photos or something like makes. We, 
we just looked at so one one thing that we know is happening and and that's kind of uh you know as an academic you only you you only step as far as your data um right. can support you um what we look what we find is that people um actually kind of look at the world differently when they take photos or even when they, we ask them to, to uh, take mental photos um they they get more engaged with the experience um mm. So photo taking, contrary to what we thought and what probably a lot of people think is that photo taking um, gets people more engaged. And by being more engaged, if it's a positive experience, they enjoy this experience more. Hmm. If it's a negative experience, you're more engaged with it. It actually becomes more negative. So I would suggest you shouldn't take photos when, you know, it's something that... You know, is is a so negative. like I had an injury, I shouldn't have taken pictures of like my surgery and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. So uh, we didn't have quite that vivid of a stimulus, but uh, we had people take photos during safaris, um, and so you know, is, is, they didn't yeah, like that. So, so like, say I'm I'm going for a hike, or I'm in some cool, like, pretty area or whatever, and mm -hmm. I and I'm enjoying myself, and there's like a really cool looking tree. But now, if I now if I get the camera out now i'm like climbing up in the tree and making funny faces and, and no you don't that... we don't even need that like oh, really? like just seeing the tree and deciding oh i want to take a picture of that will have this effect because uh -huh. we actually in order to not have any more things right like because like like yourself in the picture or not like people mm. actually like in a different study we found out people like photos more when they're in it so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> shocking maybe uh but so um that's not necessary that would you know make the effect probably bigger but it's not necessary so we for example send people in a museum where they couldn't jump on the objects or touch them or something yeah um and we kind of had ha like half of a group got um got a camera and the other half um didn't have a camera and um on top of that, everybody had eye tracking goggles, so we could uh, like, actually cool. see um, how they look at the environment. And what we find is that they actually look at things differently, meaning they look longer at things that they consider taking photos of. Um, and this is like where we take away the fact that once they do take a photo off, obviously that'll add time, you know. So that's not taking, that's not, uh, that's, um, calculated out, but just the pure looking changes. So mm. they look like a, longer at these, um, objects that they uh, think they may or may not take a photo off. Not everything they will take a photo of. And they also look more frequently at them. So they look at this object and then they look at this object and they come back to this object. Um, and so, so actually it did change how you, you know, engage with, um, with the environment, so to speak. So I, I, I can see that. I can see how, I can see how if you're in a museum, you're maybe, even just questioning, even if you don't end up taking a picture of something, you're still evaluating it mm -hmm. more because you're making right. that determination, and then and then just taking that time to evaluate it more. You're kind of just taking it in more in general. And That's exactly what we found. I see. Um, we didn't expect that, but maybe we should have asked you first. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
Well signed. I should ask me for it. No, I, uh, I, I would be horrified to have eye-tracking glasses on me. I think I would change my behavior a little bit because I, I like otherwise I'd be like checking out a girl's butt or something well, like that. Um, so the beauty of this is that everybody had eye-tracking glasses on, right? So uh, it, whether they had a camera or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so to the extent that, you know, maybe you also want to uh, seem more studious and you read more of a plaque or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, to the extent that's happening, that happens right, for both groups. Right, okay. um, and we didn't have like another group that didn't have them on. <laughs> but uh, since we were kind of curious about this photo effect um, and they're not, I mean, they're not that intrusive. Um, like the technology has gotten pretty good. Um, so after, I mean, these people are in the, uh, in the exhibit for like 10 minutes or so. And, you know, you just like, they just acclimate to it. Um, so and I think if we have all Google Glasses, then, you know, we'll all walk around like that eventually. So, um, but yeah, and so this was like one study of, of a number of which, which, uh, helped us a little bit understand a little bit more what the process seems to be. You know, or one aspect of the process is, you know, the visual attention gets directed more towards things that you may or may not photograph. Um, and that gets you more engaged in the process. Um, by the same token, we found that if you're already super engaged, then taking photos doesn't have an additional positive effect. It also, we mm. didn't find a negative effect, uh, but it didn't have a positive effect. So we um, had this study where we brought people into the lab and we um, we were trying to mimic this idea that you, you know, sometimes when you go on vacation or you go to an art walk or something, you observe artists you know, doing things like pottery uh, or glass blowing or something like that. And so we wanted to, and you may take pictures of that, um, yeah. and we wanted to contrast that with something where you actually do pottery yourself. So we had like a more active versus a less active uh, situation. We called it like an actor versus an observer um, uh, condition. And then we we also had them either with cameras or not. And so what we found is that the people who are in the more observer condition, so they are watching an artist uh, do something. In our case, they were watching a research assistant build a tower out of wafers, uh, which is like better than your average research study but not the most exciting thing you can ever uh, get involved with. Um, the people who, who came up with that? The research assistant? He's no, like, we, we came up with that. <laughs> well, we needed something that the people themselves could also do. Right? Oh, right. Like, okay, so yeah, we don't want anybody to glass blow who yeah, can't glass yeah, blow. Yeah. That would be a little too dangerous. So, uh, so Juggling fire and... Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that like we don't have the resources or the security for that. Right. Um, so it had to be something that you can I safely see. do in a lab, also by yourself potentially. Um, and they quite enjoyed it. So the other uh, the other group did it themselves. And for the people who did it themselves, we still had them take photos. Um, uh, but it didn't really matter whether they took photos or not. Like the whole experience was quite enjoyable. Again, you could also just fill out surveys and that's like less enjoyable in that context but they really enjoyed this um, and photo taking didn't really add any more to that so um, what that told us was like if a, if a situation is already really engaging then the fact that you're taking photos doesn't really add to that yeah what, what about the people that were just taking photos of the person building they the enjoyed waffles? it more than the people who didn't take photos so okay 
So for them, the, the same effect that we had in all these other studies replicated. Um, so, you know, watching somebody do pottery and taking photos of that is going to be more enjoyable than, you know, not taking photos. So for the these kind of more observer people, we, we find this effect. For the more active people, we don't find the effect. Mm. Um, what we were kind of curious about is like whether it would also be negative, but there was no negative effect either. So mm. where we do find, like start to find that photo taking interferes like, uh, with the experience because that's what a lot of people are like, well, this has to be negative at some point, right? Um, is when like the more intrusive the photo taking becomes. So with our cell phones, right, you can snap a picture relatively quickly and it doesn't, most of the time doesn't interfere with the experience. But you may have some friends like who All have like these they huge... they the selfie stick out. <laughs> now they're leaning into the barricade. Right. And... Like the selfie stick, the tripod. I, w <laughs> I was once on a, uh, on a um, you oh, know, tour tripod. where one person slept a tripod and we always had to wait for them. And uh, it was really annoying. So not only did it affect his experience, probably based on our research, it should have, but also our experience. Yeah. That's one thing we haven't looked at. Like all we looked at with um, with this study is um, how it affects your experience, not how the people not, with you, not the people around you, and that's huh. that's a different thing, right? Because I kind of I kind of don't. I just don't like taking pictures myself, but if I'm like with a on a hike or whatever with a group of friends and they they want to take pictures, I I enjoy that. I would say it doesn't. Yeah, so I think it probably like the the critical factor is like it's friends, right? Like mm -hmm. like um, so. A lot of the examples um, you see in the press is like at concerts, right? Like artists, and I don't know whether you allow photo taking at your uh, at your shows when you're doing um, stand up. Well, it's tricky because I I don't mind photos, but sometimes people take video. Right, videos an absolute. I can't have material that I want to make into a special turn into some crappy Ex YouTube yeah. video and that sort of thing. And so if people just took pictures, I'd be totally fine with it. But every every place is different. Right. And and so a lot of musicians in particular, right, I mean, maybe partially because of copyright issues and yeah. things like that. Uh, but also for, for them, I can totally see that. You're just looking at a bunch of cameras and that may not be uh, a good experience for you as a musician, which I can totally understand. But a number of them yeah, at least were quoted in the press of saying like Jack White or so was to say, well, you don't enjoy it as much yeah. uh, if you do that. Our data suggests that's not true, really? but it could be uh, the people around you are also. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're ruining my life right now. Now there's going to be cameras out everywhere. No, but uh, but actually not because like one thing that we haven't looked at is like the people around you, right? Like okay. if I'm behind you and, uh, and you're, yeah, you're yeah, a pretty tall guy and right. you're also taking photos, like yeah. I'm only five four, I will never see anything that's happening, um, you know, because I'm just going to look at your camera and and that. We haven't looked at it, but that makes a lot of sense. That would be kind of negative. Uh, you would be really happy, but I wouldn't, and and I'm probably equally important, right, right. Like, as an audience member. So, and that, well, then there's also other there's other little factors which you know would be difficult to study. Which is like if people have I I would I think that everyone should have their phone turned all the way off in the yeah. showroom because even if you're you have it out just to take a picture or whatever which by the way if you're coming to my show if you want a quick picture i'm totally fine <laughs> and especially afterwards you can have as many as you want but if you want a picture of the show 
that's one thing that's fine just don't hold if you hold your camera up then i think you're taking video and if you take video Uh, then it's very distracting and i'm going to take your phone away from you but um (laughs) but i would think the other factor is is that um is is that then you know you're getting text messages and everything oh yeah no i mean and that is you know and that's that is distracting i think the the interesting thing for us was that um taking photos directs you onto the experience like because i want to take photos off um of what's happening but tweeting right like um texting like of course they they got you know they 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 take will take you out and uh actually some some of my colleagues here out of my mind it's like cell phones are the bane of my uh, of my existence as far as stand-ups and it's it's getting worse and worse you know by the month just because more people have phones more people are on these social media well and i think like it's okay right like there's i mean so we're kind of working ourselves yeah ourselves through that like what's the etiquette on this there's even um there's even companies that are starting to have like to be able to enter in the place you have to you have to i don't think this is going to take off because it's not practical but i've seen it experimented on you you put your phone in a locked case oh interesting and then you they'll unlock it for you when you're when when you're done done. yeah That's an interesting commitment device. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't seen that. And then there's some other. I guess there's some setups where, and, and this wouldn't, and, and this wouldn't affect photo taking. I, I don't see how it would affect photo taking, but photo taking's not not the issue at all. It's videos, if anything, but mostly texting. Yeah. Texting is what's ruining shows because people are like, oh, I don't think this is, you know, I'll just quick under the table. Right. They don't realize that the light makes everything glow and there's people around them looking at them and it's taking them out of it. Yeah. People overestimate their ability to pay attention and do oh, two totally, tasks Oh, totally, right? Like we, we all think we're great multitaskers. Yeah. In fact, none of us are, right? Of course. <laughs> um, and it, so I guess there's some sort of... I, I I, I, whatever it is, I don't even I don't even want to. I'm I'm just going to be wrong if I speculate on if it's like some netting or something. But there's some sort of thing that you can put up inside of a venue room that will cut oh, off cut reception, off, so. so you can't get service. And that would there. actually uh, be good for you too. So some of my colleagues here, um, Lisa Kavanaugh and Golden O'Kilman and uh, De- uh, Deborah McGinnis, um, have looked at. Um, you know, if you have your phone and you have it in your your bag or something, and you put it on vibrate, but you get a you yeah. get a call, you will. And, and, of and course, you, not, I do even, the same if, thing. Even if you don't take it out, yeah. let's say you don't take it out because you're that courteous to the people around it, you Who's will calling? think Who's exactly. Texting? You're Is constantly thinking about that, and and it <sighs> ruins your experience because now you're actually that actually doesn't uh, you know takes you out of the moment that ahead of time. I tell club owners this all the time. I'm like, look, I talk with scientists about this stuff. This is very well studied. Just do your, this is your business. Right. Do you care about your business? Ugh, it drives but me it's out hard. of my mind. I mean, I'm it's hard because you basically have to, you know, kind of, you have these customers and you have to tell them what's okay and what's not. And people are tr- afraid of, you know, kind of stepping on 
their toes and paying customers toes right but right. but i do think based on all the research i've seen we would all be better off to turn and it off right and uh, most of audience... us are not that important right they like yeah. you know that no. we get we need something that um in that moment and you you know presumably i want to see you i pay dollars to see you and i should get the maximum had, out of it i've had people answer their phone in the showroom like i had a lady oh, that's do just three rude. times in a row and like there's like the whole audience was yelling at her to stop oh really still would, yeah, it drives <laughs> well, some me people are very mind. and yeah. also some people just don't know like what's what's in their own interest like people you know over overestimate their ability to multitask mm -hmm. or whatever they don't if if you say say a room's like half full a comedy room's half full if you just let people sit themselves uh of course people are like oh i don't want to sit in front i don't want to get picked right. on which i'm i'm not i i don't do that i don't enjoy that type of humor i don't i just do my material yeah. and leave i don't enjoy it like your no shirt's dumb. I, I think that's stupid and lame um, but, and I hate that comics have ruined that for the rest of us by doing that hacky garbage. And, and so now people are scared to sit in front, but if you just let people sit wherever they want, everyone will be spread out all over in the back and, and they don't realize that non-consciously laughter is very contagious. Yeah. And if you group everyone right in front and then, you know, everyone's closer to the stage and it's just going to be a more enjoyable time for everyone. So people just need to be coached a little bit, right. but these are my frustrations. This is what I try to explain to club owners and, and then, but also I'm their employee. So, you know, <laughs> you can't, they're the boss. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm going off on all sorts of tangents. I'm just so obsessed with cell phones. And we all. Well, I'm sure, I'm, I, I'm sure in, I, I'm, I'm sure professors would prefer to have some sort of thing that cuts out the data. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. yeah. No, I have a total no media policy in my class, but yeah. that doesn't mean that they are not constantly trying to text, even though I see it and, you know, call them out on it. So I would think that the future wouldn't be that hard to set this up in a room and you could even like flip on a thing so Wi Fi is available when it's like appropriate for right. a certain time. But otherwise, because you can still do all your note taking and everything else without. Data or yeah, about. I actually don't don't even let them use their laptop. So oh, really? Well, I, I, I think that uh, I think that handwriting notes is is better for memory anyway, right. isn't yeah. it? Isn't that's that well exactly tested? the reason why. Yeah. So when people take notes uh, with uh, their laptop, so Danny Danny Oppenheimer over at UCLA did this study uh, where they show that if you take notes with your laptops, you basically write down everything that comes in and there's not a lot of processing versus longhand. Like you have to think about what is actually important mm -hmm. that I want to remember. And, and that processing helps you remember already. So for that reason, I don't let people use their laptops. Uh, yeah. they let, I let them use their tablets with a, you know, yeah, stylus. in their own interest. <laughs> and otherwise people don't know. Cause yeah. It's... Yeah. So, but I, I control that more or less. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so did we cover did did we cover how how it affects memory already or not or really you, right? Good, so, good. so, okay. <laughs> so let's like, get to I that. No, no, no. Let's get to I'm that. So, so what we talked about so far was right, like like photo taking gets you more engaged, yeah, which gets you more in, to enjoy the experience. Um, and we also 
as we saw, you know, we, we did discuss was like this, that we had found this, uh, I, this evidence that they look differently at things. I'm already thinking I know where this is so, going. So what do you think? Because, because this is actually kind of now not- <laughs> because they're engaged more and, and part of memory is just an engagement in and caring more. And so that's what's um, enhancing memory. It does for the visual aspects. So, um, so, so what we, so we once again went back to the museum and, um, we set people up on a tour with an audio guide. So very similar to what you would normally do. Uh, because what we were interested in is, um, you know, with photos, obviously you take photos of visual things. And mm-hmm. so also you're looking at them longer. So your visual system is very engaged. Um, since attention is somewhat limited, does that draw attention away from the auditory aspects um, that you're listening to? And so um, so we had people go on this audio tour in a, in a museum and half of the people, again, had cameras and half of the people had, did not. Um, and we looked at, you know, what does it do to people's memory? Um, and what we find is that memory for visual aspects is better and memory for auditory aspects can get worse or is not affected. Um, and that basically depends on how much does my photo taking kind of interfere with listening to mm. um to the audio guide at the same time. If I'm completely focused on photo taking, then you know I'm less focused on the audio aspects of it. Um, so we find some evidence for that, okay. um, which uh, is interesting because prior research has also found this effect that you originally described when you looked at your photos and said, oh, I, I took a picture of my license plate, right? Um, and uh, so there's it's like GPS. Now I don't know how to right. know so, how to get it. So it's basically you treat photos as external memory, just like mm-hmm. a post-it or you know anything else that you didn't want to commit to memory. And you can use photos that way too, and then it wouldn't help. But uh, the situations we looked at, you you take photos because you want to remember. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe you think, oh, the photos will help you remember, but it's not like I'm completely. You know, delegating everything to to the right, photos. Right, right. Um, I see, and um, and as far as uh, it, it, is there, well, I guess that kind of already answers that. I, I was going to say is is there then um, long term um, effects on on uh, uh, like. Like well-being or um, so our long-term effects end after a week, so I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> you know, okay. that's like the ne- last time we, we like. We've and talked we- a little bit th- about this kind of stuff on the podcast, like, and and more of the question I just asked. Uh, I just don't remember the answer, so so that's fine. Um, <laughs> so it's been, it's yeah. Been so so we we uh, what will be interesting and and something we were interested in is you know how do photos generally fit into your well-being, right? Um, also at the end of life stages or things like that when you're looking back at your life. But um, all we've looked at is kind of this is your experience. It had ended. We ask you then. We ask you like maybe a week, 10 days later. That's the longest we, we kind of um, – got back to people mm-hmm. um what we're doing right now are more longitudinal things because you know for memory that'll be interesting like what does it do to memory over time and um well i'm curious because isn't there um i've, I've read about how and 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to take a whack at what the mechanisms are, but uh, how as you age, because it's kind of different. We we typically have kind of this negativity bias, and negative things tend to stick out a, a, a lot more, at least for. Uh, like almost getting into car accident or whatever you remember more than getting getting to work okay but i i've i've read it in a few different places that as you age your you somehow retain more of the positive memories like more of a your, rosy view kind of yeah have you have you heard this um uh, I also kind of fail to kind of think about exactly who, um, you know, yeah, I'm trying to uh, but too. we do, you know, like we do forget well, certain things and, much... and particular and some things are more helpful to us than others. So I uh, actually, when you were talking about this, like I was thinking you were going to go slightly different direction. So that uh, like, for, for example, regrets mm-hmm. over time change. So like right after, um we do something um we regret like we may regret having done that and and we call that action regrets so having done thing like i should have done that i shouldn't have said that you know i should have remembered that you know um and so those are very strong um right after um something happened but in the long run what people regret the most are things they haven't done so Oh, I, I, you know, I should have gone on the vacation when I didn't do it, or I should have, um, you know, spent uh, more yeah, time yeah. with the family. So, so they're definitely things that change over time, um, mm. and um, were, you know, our also view some of those regrets. The- you're like. Well, I learned, and I wouldn't be the well, person exactly. that I am today had I, you know, you. Re- That's exactly re-frame why, it. like a lot of the action regrets get worked on, or what psychologists call coped with yeah yeah um and so hence they're kind of yeah like simmered down and not not as hot anymore yeah this is my my audience has had to hear me complain about my i broke my feet a couple years ago right before i started this podcast and so Uh, my audience has had to endure me talking about it for for two years straight and it's just bored to death with me to hearing about it but i i do now when people ask me about it there's there's much more i'm not like happy that it happened or anything like that but there's much more like well you know like it's i ended up i not only did i get an album about it but it changed the way that i looked at comedy and i started caring less about like catering to what strangers thought and started doing more of what i was interested in and it and it just made made gave me the more confidence of like the i don't give a shit kind of confidence that i needed to be a better performer and and it, it i'll even say things like well it prepares me for old age because right. <laughs> so, like what a thing to, to say. um but but i i only ask because i was wondering if maybe part of that effect and 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 now i guess we can't even say because neither of us know if there is actually a testable rose the effect from aging but if that were say that were the case i do wonder if it's because you're only kind of keeping around pictures of good memories of your, you know and so then if you're revisiting those then you're only revisiting those positive memories no i think that would would, uh, exaggerate this this effect this is i i feel like this is this is the um and i'm so happy that we didn't have any overlap because i was a little worried that we had maybe already covered some of the things in in past episodes because we have talked about photo taking before and uh but but this is now the second or third episode and now i i i just um 
it just makes me i'm like i should just take my pictures <laughs> basically that's, that's what, exactly that's what, what you should take away from me. that <laughs> science <laughs> science <laughs> tells you <laughs> um so um well you know what hey, how about let's, let's just do this because i already we've already been recording for an hour do you do you have a hard out like uh, uh, at four. <laughs> oh, oh oh great so so just briefly we've kind of talked about this before but i was just curious um because again you probably have different work regarding it um i i was curious just be, so i have a big 65 city tour coming up and i congratulations have, I have different, uh yeah i i have uh, a bunch of different um merchandise items for my tour and stuff and one of them is keychains a bunch uh-huh. of like handmade leather keychains like uh, uh, goes with the theme of the show and stuff and um and there's a bunch of different colors Interesting. and and so i have i probably have uh well and they're all a little bit different too um like even, depending even on with, the city the same color but no no because they're all they're they're all it's a show about psychedelics and it's all a DMT stamp that oh, says have I a see. good trip on it. Um but anyway, uh they I'm I'm often nervous about telling academics that I talk about psychedelics. Oh um, there's no but, problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, very interesting and in the sixties a lot of academics actually researched it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's starting to come back actually. It My is. tour is sponsored by the Multidisciplinary <laughs> Association of Psychedelic Studies, which is like one of the bigger organizations in the country. Um but they had um so so anyhow so i have all these different co- and so because they're handmade even the ones that are like say there's a tie-dyed one even within those there's a lot of variation you you've done some work on having the effect on having a large assortment size <laughs> of products i'm just trying to figure out how to move these things well actually i would say possible. to your listeners uh, you know um they should actually buy this because it's going to be a reminder of the show and as we talked about um hopefully they enjoyed <laughs> the you. show right oh, um, and they want to always don't, think don't back about, about that. that and as we said like p- people don't look at photos um and they don't think back as much as they think they do um at these enjoyable events and so actually a colleague who's sitting just across the hallway stephanie tully has looked at this um in her work and and what she shows is that unless you have you know something tangible like and your keychain would be a nice tangible souvenir every day day you see it and you get like more more enjoyment out of it um in the long run so and it uh, reminds you to think about life a little bit differently eh? and how fickle our perceptions are i like this team sales pitch that we're doing (laughs) you're talking to a marketing (laughs) professor (laughs) but i truly believe that's uh, that's the case so i you know i put my photos and so uh, if we were at my home you would see that all my photos are on the fridge with magnets from different places i visited um because i do think I mean, for me, it, I get utility out of that. And uh, I think there's some scientific evidence that that is the case. So I would pitch instead yeah. of like focusing the, on the assortment, I would pitch it as, you know, uh, like a 
remember this great evening kind of device. Yeah, okay. I remember this and great evening. But what what is, I was just trying to lead into a so little my bit assortment work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a little hard, right? Coming from photos yeah, and yeah. Uh, memories. Yeah. I still feel like I nailed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so what my research would suggest is that, uh, you know, uh, it's actually a good thing to have a limited assortment. Yeah, yeah. Um, because when you tell people, uh, oh, I have the biggest store, um, their expectations get really high. And most of the time, you can't really get exactly what you're looking yeah. for, right? Even if it's like, you know, even with the internet, you have very specific taste. Most of us, you know, think at least we have specific taste. And um, if you tell me, oh, you have a biggest store, the biggest keychain store on the yeah, planet, yeah. Uh, I'll expect like the keychain uh, that exactly fits <laughs> my preferences and and you'll be disappointed. Oh, so, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, ah, basically, that's one that's, of the findings. That's a different take than what I had heard before. Right. I just heard like the old kind of like the jam studies or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you have 20 jams to pick from, you go, oh, this is too hard. Right, and then you and walk get away. Up yeah. Um, so, so we, you know, kind of came after the jam, uh, jam study uh, mm -hmm. with this study. Uh, but, and so we looked at slightly different things right. um, and why. Um, why All you need to know about is jam, really. I mean, <laughs> why, why study anything else? Yeah, so we did greeting cards because, like, my original uh, stimuli, like, from, based on my, my dissertation, what, was actually looking at how... Uh, how you want to present options to people, if you can do a personalized ordering for them, mm. um, how that affects their choices. And What do you mean, personalized? So, uh, if I know your preferences, you know, about something, you know, let's mm. say, um, you know, clothes or something, or Netflix, right? Like, they mm. do a pretty good job of, they learn right, your preferences right, right, and, and they uh, present to you things that based on your viewing history and other people's viewing history that you like. And so what I looked at is, uh, is you know, in a, in a more of a retail con uh, context where you choose something and you pay for it mm -hmm. um, as opposed to it's in your subscription already, like with Netflix. How does that affect your search behavior? And do you actually make better decisions with larger assortments? And so the kind of interesting thing there was that unless you have a really good recommendation agent and that could be a human agent or that learns your preferences and then tells you this is the right thing for you or it could be an electronic agent like the ones that uh, Netflix uh, employs. Unless you have access to something like that, you don't really benefit from large assortments because you will not search enough to actually find that better fitting uh, object that you are looking for. Mm. You'll be so bored out of your mind and, and search you know, will be so annoying that you'll stop before that. So um, what my research was looking at is like, to what extent do people actually benefit from assortments that are large? And uh, they don't unless we help them hmm. pretty heavily. Yeah, okay, that's good. Because I, I was going to get like more of a variety, like different styles, and then I was going to have, like instead of just the DMT molecule, it could be psilocybin or LSD or like a variety of other things. And I was like, well, if people have... 
40 different keychains to pick from. Yeah. They're just gonna, they're that just may be a little up. overwhelming. Yeah. So I just have five different colors. Easy peasy. That seems um, like a good idea. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Kristen well, Deal, for, for joining in. This me. This was really yeah, fun. Yeah, it was terrific. Wonderful conversation. And thank you, listeners, as always, for being such intelligent, interesting, inquisitive people. You guys are the best. All right, everybody. The Good Trip Tour is starting. I was... I was, uh, there was times I was nervous. I didn't know if I was going to pull this off, um, and line up all these dates. Ended up lining up way more dates than I ever thought I would. It's now, uh, I think over 65 cities, but at least 65 cities and adding more all the time. And, um, I, this is the most excited I've ever been for shows. In my career, um, it's going to be quite a journey. Every, basically, every night, a new city, and the best show I've ever put together. Um, for for those of you that haven't heard this spiel before, it's it's uh, I would say two fifths stand up, two fifths um, sharing my experiences and just observations I've made about other people's experiences, and a kind of a fifth TED talk. There's a lot of information in there. It is absolutely a comedy show. Um, don't don't worry about that, but it's it's definitely a bit more informative, and we dive a little deeper than uh, a lot of comedy shows, or at least ones that I've put together in the past. If you want to get a sense of what the the style of the show is, you can listen to my last album for free on Spotify. My big break. Um, <laughs> Uh, as listeners to the show, you're sick to death of hearing me talk about my feet, but I, <laughs> I, um, it, it, it really is kind of the similar format with interjecting some science and some jokes, some stories, and, um, and, and that's my best recorded work to date. So you can check that out before seeing me in one of these cities starting in October 3rd. And don't worry, I will be adding a few more dates, thinking about trying to add some more stuff in Michigan and Florida. Uh, later on, but here's, here's the 60 or so that are in the books, can, 100% confirmed, and, um, just a few, few ticket links that I need to add still, and those should be coming. Uh, hopefully they're out by the time you're hearing this, but I have, um, I have almost all of the ticket links up as well. Um, so, and and Ramin Nazer helped and redid the website a bunch and um, got everything looking good. So if you haven't looked at my site in, in a while, Shane Moss, MAUSS.com, check that out. And so starting October 3rd, I'll be in Flagstaff, Arizona, then going to Tucson, Phoenix, Sedona, then uh, Norman, outside of Oklahoma City. Dallas, Houston, Austin, Shreveport, New Orleans, Mobile, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida, Birmingham, Alabama, Atlanta, Georgia, Savannah, Charleston, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Raleigh, Greensboro, Richmond, Charlottesville, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Alston, Massachusetts, outside of Boston, Providence, Rhode Island. Um, oh, there's there's a... Brooklyn and New York date going to be slipped in there. I just haven't been able to announce them just yet. Um, Schenectady, New York, outside of Albany. That's not at all how you say it. Uh, Buffalo, New York, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Cleveland, Ohio, Columbus, Fort Wayne, Chicago, Madison, La Crosse, Minneapolis, Fargo, 
uh, Minot, North Dakota, Billings, Montana. This is uh, taking longer than I thought it would. Spokane, Tacoma, Portland, Bend, Salem, Eugene, Klamath Falls, Oregon, Arcado, California, Sacramento, San Francisco, Santa Cruz, Las Vegas, then swinging back through the Midwest, Salt Lake City, Boulder, Denver, Wichita, Kansas City, Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville, Asheville, North Carolina, Lexington, Cincinnati, Evansville, Indiana, Indianapolis, Iowa City, Milwaukee, Sioux Falls, Omaha, Des Moines, Appleton, Eau Claire, Winona, Royal Oak. That's what we have for right now. That is a lot of cities. It's covering most of the map. So um, if you live anywhere near there, please tell everyone you can. Please check out the shows. Um, I've done my best to keep ticket prices down, but you can also save money by, uh, by getting tickets online. I think the average show will save you about $5. So make sure and check that out. Um, any shares and comments and tagging people on Facebook posts, helps out tremendously you guys are the best those of you that listened all the way to the end you are of course my favorite talk to you next week say uh seinfeld was on an island and he was blowing boris karloff what would it what would that be like <laughs> it might go something like this oh mr karloff i loved you and frankenstein and i love giving you a blowjob why mr seinfeld I'd love having you 